0: My name is Angela Cox, and I am the Mindset Mentor. And this is the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now, my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips success strategies and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential now please do like share and leave a review if you love this podcast it really does help others to find us thanks for listening and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest So my guest today is Mark Billingham from Veri Group. Now, Mark holds two roles at Veri, the first being Group Customer Experience Director and the second being the Chief Operating Officer of Financial Services. I can't wait to hear how he juggles both of those. Now, I first met Mark when he worked at Vodafone as Customer Experience Director and his warmth really did shine through and so I've been a fan ever since. Mark, a massive thank you for being on the show. How are you today?
1: Yeah, I'm very good, Angela. Yeah, really good. Thank you. Obviously, a a difficult time out there, but really proud of how the team and and everyone's getting through it at the moment.
0: Absolutely, because we are recording this. We're on the third week of lockdown, but you're busy trying to get all of your teams off site. I can't imagine that that's been no easy feat, but I know that you're almost there. So massive well done for that. Thank you. And it's really lovely to hear a fellow Northern accent as well. So <laughs> that's always good. Whereabouts are you from, Mark?
1: So I, I grew up in Berry, just outside of Manchester, and live in Worsley, North Manchester now. So I'm a proud Mancunian, big Manchester United fan. I'm sure that won't go down well with everybody, but Oh uh, dear. <laughs> yeah. I am um, <laughs> that is a big passion of mine and I'm trying to indoctrinate my children into that at the minute.
0: Oh, the poor things, the poor things. (laughs) But just on that, then I want to um, open up with what I called the shake your pom poms moment. So this is about you taking the opportunity to park your humility to one side and to celebrate some of your successes. And I'd love you if you don't mind to share your three proudest moments to open us up.
1: Yeah, okay, no worries. Uh, the, the first one incorporates three proud moments, but I'll, I'll put them into one, uh, and that was the birth of my uh, my three children. So I've got three lovely children, well, lovely most of the time. Teddy, Esme and Florence, seven, five and two. And oh. They keep me really, really busy, but I absolutely love them to bits. They've all got great personalities, and I'm super proud to be their dad. So uh, that's definitely my proudest, uh, I guess. Three moments in one there, I think two other proud moments. I think from a career perspective, my first is just some of the work that we did at Vodafone to be probably leading in the digital space. You know, we had the first kind of major web chat operation and chatbot out there in the market. And, and we really led the way from a digital perspective and got a lot of plaudits for that. And I, and I really, really enjoyed that time. I think that the third and final one is the work we've been doing here at the very group, formerly Shop Direct. Um, we have won European Customer Service Award twice in a row now for the best transformation in customer service. And that's been a, a huge achievement from the team. They've been absolutely fantastic through this. And we've taken what was quite a traditional contact center environment into a much more modern customer care environment and our metrics have been absolutely astounding so okay. I'm hugely proud of the team here at the at the very group and, and the change we've been through over the last 24 months everyone's worked so hard but it, our customers and our people have really really benefited from it.
0: Oh that's amazing so I mean your your leadership obviously shines through but it is the, the kind of the work and the effort that your team puts in under your direction that leads to those sorts of plaudits so I mean that's amazing and, and obviously you've talked about being a dad as well for you which is the most challenging role being a dad or being a leader in an organization
1: uh, the dad being the dad hands down <laughs> to be fair I think yeah I mean I, I absolutely my hat goes off to, to my wife I mean she does the majority of of looking after the kids during the day And it's a much tougher job than mine. I mean, I'm in awe of of, of that as a a role. But being a dad is hard because, you know, you're trying to provide that balance of support and care and motivation to your children is a really, really hard one. And it's almost easier in a work environment to motivate people than it is your children sometimes. But it's (laughs) trying to provide that. Support and love and not try and force your children to do the things that you want them to do while still motivating them to be the best they can be is such a hard challenge for parents. And, you know, I think schooling and, and education is, is so hard these days. The amount of homework my seven-year-old gets is unbelievable.
0: Yeah, yeah, they really do. They, we have a lot of pressure on our children, don't we? And And you're absolutely right in saying... You know, that idea of not forcing on our children what we want. And if we, you know, if we take that as a theme and we roll back to your childhood, what did you want to be when you
1: grew up? Apart from a footballer for Man United <laughs> most of the time. I actually, I never really had a clear aspiration like I wanted to be a pilot or a firefighter or, or anything like that. I, I just wanted, my dad in particular and my mum both came from quite humble backgrounds, you know, and both grandparents kind of worked really hard, but in a very kind of social care kind of environment. Wow. And my mum and dad worked really, really hard to give me and my sister the, the kind of life that they wanted us to lead. I made lots of sacrifices for it. My dad was a prison officer who worked, oh God, he must have worked 80, 90 hours every week. Yes. I, and my mum, you know, worked her way up the health service from being a PA to being a senior manager in the in the health service. And that really just inspired me to be the best and do the best that I can do for, for my family, really. But I never really had any clear aspirations. I, I always wanted to do some form of business. I was quite into languages and I, I did French to kind of A-level and university to a point. Um, but then, you know, as with anyone, I kind of almost went from university not knowing what I was doing and fell into a career at British Gas, which <laughs> You know, I spent 12 years, I did that typical thing that most customer service people do, which is start on the phones in an organisation and think, oh, I'm only doing this for 12 months, 18 months, and then I'll get a proper yeah. job. And I spent 12, 14 years in the same organisation. So it, my career kind of happened rather than me planning it out, if I'm honest, but I'm glad it happened in the way it did.
0: And that happens for so many people, doesn't it? In terms of, you know, you start somewhere and then you work your way up through the ranks and then, you know, suddenly you find yourself in a director position in a huge organisation and, and I guess it's worth us taking a bit of a whistle stop tour now through your your career you've mentioned British Gas so just take us through sort of you know where you've been what sort of roles you've had and, and what's
1: brought you to where you are today. So I started at British Gas while I was at university it was one of those typical get a job and earn enough money to go out and get, go on the beers <laughs> with, the, with the lads <laughs> at university and um, but um, I really enjoyed British Gas. I really enjoyed the culture there. I started actually planning for our service engineers to go and fix people's boilers. And it was amazing because it was that real dichotomy of customers and engineers and dealing with the politics and the daily lives of both our customers and our engineers. And you almost became a counsellor for the engineers and a counsellor for the customers. And I really. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. it, you know, but there were serious moments to it, you know, when people have water pouring through the ceilings, when you've got elderly and vulnerable people there that you need to get engineers out too quickly. I really kind of enjoyed that environment of supporting and helping customers. And I think that's where my kind of love for, for this sort of role grew. I, I have two real key things that drive me in my career and i'm sure they'll come out through this conversation the first is the people i work around i couldn't do a job where i didn't work around a lot of people i love being in an office i love being around people and i love just seeing people grow within an organization and secondly i love supporting customers you know i I do drive my team to the edge of despair sometimes with the fact that i try and go to the nth degree for every customer But that's just within my nature to do that, and there's a clear business benefit of supporting your customers in that way. So I grew up through British Gas, um, and I did attended to do a couple of years in operations, and then a couple of years in a transformational role. And I really enjoy both of those things. That's what really inspires me is doing the operational piece and and supporting the teams and our colleagues to to be better. But also, I couldn't work in an environment where there there isn't a huge amount of transformation, and that's. That's what really inspires me to do more. So I went through a number of roles at British Gas and ended up running the change area for new energy. So that was as new energy was forming. It was insulation. It was solar panels. It was when the government first got into energy efficiency, it was starting that new startup within British Gas. And that was really exciting. They basically put five of us in an office down in Staines and said, go and set up a new business from scratch. And it was one of the most exciting parts of my career. That really inspired me then to get more involved in kind of starting new things as I went through it. Um, I
0: mean, you're hugely positive. It's one of the things that I really noticed about you at Vodafone and we only had a few conversations to be fair but it really did come through this positivity that you have and that care for people really comes through so when you're saying all of this I absolutely know it to be true and you've talked about your parents being role models and you've talked about the things that drive you I guess the other thing that I'm interested in is whether you've experienced adversity along the way and if you have how has that shaped you to be the leader and the man that you are today
1: yeah I think I think and, and this probably leads part through the, some of the rest of my career, really. So actually, when I got to a slightly senior level within British Gas, I was probably managing a team and an operation of a couple hundred people. And in terms of adversity, probably a couple of times at British Gas that really shaped my career. The first, as a kind of young senior manager, and I was leading the teams in our Oldham site at the time, and we were going through quite a big offshoring and close down probe. And that was that was quite hard, and you know, people who'd worked for British Gas for 20, 30 years, suddenly being made redundant or being asked to move to a different site when they worked in the same operation and built friends and family across that. And at the time, within that particular organisation, the culture was quite hierarchical. I, I'm pleased to say it's not the same. And it wasn't the same when I when I left that organisation. But within that particular era, it was quite hierarchical. Mm-hmm. And I remember a senior manager once saying to me, you're never going to progress in this organisation for three reasons. You're too northern, was number <laughs> one. Secondly, you don't speak in the right way, i.e. your accent. And third, you've got a daft haircut. And, and knowing me now, I haven't got any hair, so that is quite <laughs> preposterous, to be honest. But...
0: Wow, that's that,
1: feedback. That, that was that was probably one of the most bizarre conversations that I ever had with a senior manager at the time. Me. And actually I, I could have gone two ways with that conversation, really. And and I think this is where my mum and dad probably come into this, is I could have been a bit of a shrinking wallflower and just got on with it or left the organisation. But actually that drove me on to proving wrong and, and actually I ended up managing that particular individual yeah. along the way. And <laughs> Let's just say my um, feedback was slightly more constructive to him in the role as we went forward, but I think stuff like that throughout my career has often driven me. I remember having a manager who she was on holiday and there was no desks in the space, and I sat at her desk, and this is when I'd first started there, and I remember she came back off holiday and she said, "You've been sitting at my desk while I've been away. Don't ever do that away. you're not in a senior enough position to sit at my desk.) And I, Good. I remember thinking, what is this? like?" And I think stuff like that has always driven me on to be completely unhierarchical about what I do and, yes. uh, and to inspire every person within the organisation to be the best because, you know, everybody's talented in their own way. Everybody has their own strengths. Some people aren't in the right roles sometimes, but yeah, it's people finding their passion and, and igniting that passion for people to do the right thing, and that's what really inspires me. And I think just to go, to kind of finish on adversity... There was a time at British Gas when I was in the wrong role. I was in the wrong team and I was in the wrong role and I'd kind of fallen into it by accident. And and I I remember thinking, I need to make a change here and I need to to move. And I think I always encourage people in the same position to do that as well. And that's when I ended up moving from British Gas to Vodafone, actually, because i would kind of reached the end of the road at British Gas and I loved my time there and I'd never speak any other way about it. But actually, it was time for me to move and time for me to manage my career. Because I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. I felt like, you know, my career wasn't moving forward at the time. And I felt like it might have even been going backwards. And I I think at that time was right for me to move. And I made that decision to to go and and to to go to Vodafone when an opportunity came up. And I think, you know, there's always a balance in that positivity of mindset of if you're not in the right role and you're not in the right place, then do something different about it. And that's always been the way I've approached it.
0: It's that self-awareness piece, isn't it? Because it'd be so easy in that in that environment where you are in the wrong role to blame other people and to just keep chipping away at it and get more and more into yourself and moan a lot and you know become that grumpy person really that nobody likes in the office the one that I call the mood hoover but actually <laughs> you took control of that didn't you and and did something different and I love that yeah. I It's a really good message for the people out there too. And this love of people, I would call it a respect for people that you demonstrate at all levels of an organization and your ability to connect with them. When you're thinking about that and you're thinking about building your team, what sort of traits do you look for in other people?
1: I, I look for similar positivity, if I'm honest. That, that's the first thing. I look for people who would run through doors to get things done way ahead of any experience or way ahead of any kind of qualifications, to be honest. And maybe that's me and my background and the way that I've come through the career, but that, that kind of can do attitude, and it sounds a bit cliched, and that positivity from people and people wanting to do. An amazing job for our customers and our people yeah. is the number one trait that I always look for. There's always traits within a team where I think it's really useful to have different opinions as well. I mean, I've had a number of people in my teams over the years who perhaps have a slightly different attitude to that. But I think there's always a need for a respect for that in terms of actually how they do with it from a positive mindset. Is the reason they're always looking for the wrong in the right? because they're trying to get to the right outcome at the end of it. And I think you need to look at that because there's a couple of people who have really helped shape my career who perhaps don't act in the same way I do. And they've always had the right intent at heart. They just do it in a slightly different way. And I think looking for that is quite important as, as well. Yeah.
0: That idea of really understanding that someone can have a different map of the world to you, but there, there's always a positive intention to everybody's action, to yes. whatever anybody says. And if you can look yeah. for that and understand the differences between you as a positive thing, then it helps you to move forward. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if we, if we think about stress lots of leaders suffer from stress in different ways. And, and if you think about yourself and how you handle tough times, you might not call it stress, you might call it, you know, busy times or pressured times. How do you do that? How do you look after yourself such that you can be a better leader for everybody around you?
1: I always try to come into work with the same kind of mindset, to be honest. I I think authenticity is key. You know, the way that I act at work is the way that I act at home. And I don't shout at people quite as much as I shout at the kids sometimes. (laughs) uh, I I always bring the full me to work because I I think it's really important that people do that. I mean, from a de-stressing perspective and how I cope, you know, what I try to do is when I get out of work, I try to switch off and I try to spend time with the children. That's really important to me, you know, playing football in the background, in the back garden, sorry, with my my son or playing, you know, with the girls and really kind of allows me to really switch off, to be honest. And and that's kind of my personal time. You know, I try to get out for a run or I'll try to do something different just to clear my head as well. I've always thought, and I've always, I've never quite worked close enough to home to be home in 10 minutes. And actually... A really important part of the day for me is driving home from work. So I work in Liverpool, I live in Manchester, it takes me 30, 40 minutes to get home. I always think that's a really useful time to decompress and de-stress and kind of get, get everything out of out of your system from a work perspective. Because it is hard, there are stresses yeah. at work. There are times when I feel uncomfortable in the role I did and I don't think anybody would say they're always in perfect control of themselves or their situation. Okay. I think using that 30, 40 minutes a day as I drive home to just reconsider, set my position, understand where I am and what I need to do the following day then allows me to get home and and kind of be with the children and be with my wife, Helen, and and just really just relax. That doesn't mean sometimes that work doesn't take over at home. Of course it does, but I try and limit that as much as I possibly can.
0: And so this journey in the car, talk me through how you do that. Is that a conversation with yourself? Are you listening to something? You know what? What sort of things would you do in the car to decompress?
1: No, I tend to listen to I tend to listen to music, and I tend to be quite robotic in that. It's not I tend to listen to the same almost playlists on Spotify uh-huh. all the time. But I guess what I then do is just you know my mind kind of turns to right. What's happened today? It's an old adage, but have I added value today? Have I done yeah. the right things? And then what do I need? To, what are my pro- two or three key priorities for tomorrow? And if there's anything urgent do that call in the car then and just leave somebody a message or do it rather than take it home with you. And I try to That's end brilliant. each day in that in that way.
0: That's such a great idea. So this idea that you, you look at the day, look what you've achieved, celebrate your successes, look at things that you perhaps could have done differently. But hugely importantly, you're set up for tomorrow so that you're not at 11 o'clock at night lying in bed thinking about oh I've got to do this I've got to do that you've you've already got it sorted that's a huge win I love that and other people will be able to benefit from that too
1: yeah I often find the days in the office are a blur aren't they I mean your diaries tend to be booked (laughs) out from nine o'clock till five o'clock so that time is really important to me because I'm, I'm I'm hopping from one subject to the next all the time throughout the day. There's always projects or there's always operational meetings yeah. going on, and it's really hard to switch off in the day. I think a lot of people struggle with that, with the segmenting the day in that, in that particular way. I'm too northern to use big words like that. But um, just dividing the day up in that way to to be able to then say, right, well, I know I'm going to be maxed out from nine to five. So what do I do between eight and nine? What do I do between five and six? Yes. And then what do I do on my on my drive home to to do that? And it doesn't work all the time. And obviously I do a lot of travelling in my role as well. What I tend to do is if I'm offshore or if I'm doing something in a different country is you use that time to really catch up as well. Because it's mm. unfair on the family to be away from that period of time and then take that stuff home with you as well. So I do try and keep stuff away and out of the house and spend the time I can at home with the children. That's that's really important to, to it's me a good point.
0: Off. It's a really good point. And there's this research that says that if you can let go of the day on your driveway. And then when you first walk into the house and greet your kid, you give them six minutes of your absolute attention. After those six minutes, they're running off absolutely happy that they've had all mommy's or daddy's attention and they don't need any more. Whereas if you walk in the house full of work, you know, and you're checking your phone for email still, then they feel neglected and, and are coming to you more and more, which kind of makes the stress levels go up and up. So yeah, it's just a, a really simple way of letting go of the day, setting up tomorrow and making sure that you're ready to engage with your family. Brilliant. Thank you very much for sharing that. Now, I am a huge fan of vulnerability. Having I got vulnerability as one of my superpowers, I believe. And ignoring it for years and years and years, I'm always really keen to understand what vulnerability means to other people because I think lots of people have different ways of looking at it. So, if you were going to explain what vulnerability means, what would you say?
1: From a personal perspective, or yeah, from a yeah, so vulnerability to me is, I think we've covered some of it. It's about bringing your whole self to work. And, and I think, you know, showing people how you feel is really important. And, you know, I, my team know whether I'm stressed, whether I'm happy, whether I'm sad. Yes. And, and I tend to articulate that with, with my teams because, you know, not every day is a perfect day. And I think the more of yourself you show to the people around you, whether colleagues or work, is a great thing and I think it can be uncomfortable sometimes for those people that don't bring the whole selves to, to work and actually you can start to see that in people but I think you know showing people that you're human is a really important part of life and to me I don't pretend to be perfect I don't pretend to be the the strongest person out there I'm not there are times when I feel like I need help and support and I'm keen to ask for it because you know I think if anyone sits there and says they're perfect then they're lying to themselves really <laughs> is, is my <laughs> view on stuff so that vulnerability to me is it, it, not so much vulnerable in its true sense it's about showing who you are and being human and uh, and being honest
0: yes absolutely absolutely spot on I love it now next question and it's we're we're coming towards the end but I'm really I'm really keen to understand whether you've learned a big lesson along the way and if you have what would that
1: be I think Part of it is what we just talked about, which is always be yourself, because if you try to be somebody different, it definitely doesn't work for me, if I'm honest, and, and there are probably a couple of times in my career when I've tried to be that somewhat different, not to be that northern uh, cheeky chap <laughs> and be something a bit more different, and it, it doesn't work for me, it doesn't sit comfortably with me, and it doesn't come across well from yeah. from my perspective. I think in life and, and lessons, but I think I've learned a number of things. I think One is always trust your gut instinct because you're often right more than you're wrong when you've got the experience uh, there to do it. Don't be afraid to make bad decisions. Um, We all make tough decisions and sometimes we get those decisions wrong. Be honest, learn fast, fail fast and move on from it is absolutely key in my book. And I think that they're the two things that I think anyone who works with me would probably testify to that I'm happy to do try stuff and fail fast and I always bring my true stuff to work. I'll often go on my gut and sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm wrong, but equally I'm very honest about whether I'm right or wrong and I I listen to the people around me to to direct me in different ways. And I've got some really great people by my side who support me through every decision and and every kind of day from a working perspective. And I think that is the other lesson is work with people you like and work with people (laughs) that you can... You can get on with. You don't yeah. have to be the same type of people as you. People often recruit in their mirror image. That's not the best way to do things in my experience. But, you know, make sure you build a great culture at work because you spend a lot of time yes. um, working, more time than you spend at home. And if you don't enjoy it, then you shouldn't be doing it
0: yeah so so be comfortable making mistakes and it's all about that growth mindset then what can you learn and how can you flourish as a result i like it okay now i don't know whether you've been listening to the podcast but we do this thing called the five second game rule you might well even play this at home mark with your kids so i'm going to ask you for three answers to a question and you'll have five seconds to come up with the answer are you ready yes born ready okay so In the five-second game rule, Mark, can you give me three things that you plan to do during lockdown?
1: Get fit, cook some nice food and play a lot with my children.
0: Oh, I love the last one. Brilliant. And and tell me, how are you going to get fit? Uh,
1: Running. I love running. So uh, I did the London Marathon in 2014. And if I'm honest, I've not done a lot of running since, so I need to get back to it
0: oh it's brilliant brilliant time to do that as well isn't it get that time outside in the fresh air but only an hour because that's all we're allowed um <laughs> and let's do another one because you're good at this so in the five second game rule mark can you give me three words that describe you
1: uh, i'm running out of seconds here aren't i uh, <laughs> always myself and don't take myself seriously would be probably five words instead of three like why I'll use take three, that. You could use five. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: You're Northern, you're allowed. OK, and then we are on to the big question. And the big question is, and you've covered this, I'm sure, but I just want to hear it articulated nice and succinctly now. What do you believe is the secret to success?
1: I think the number one secret is enjoying what you do, being passionate about what you do and creating a fun environment to work in.
0: Oh, amazing. And you are an absolute master at doing that, I know. And that is why you are winning all of these awards and have a wonderful team and manage to juggle two roles within an organization. Mark, honestly, I am so grateful to you for taking some time out of what I know is an incredibly busy time for you trying to get all of your people working from home during this lockdown so thank you have you enjoyed it is the the I have yeah it's
1: been a great experience thank you marvellous
0: well thank you very much I wish you and your family all the very best as we uh, face into what we're facing into stay safe stay well and I will speak to you again very soon thanks Angela (laughs) I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. If you did, be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links. For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode. And do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.